Hello and welcome to The Lone Ranger from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. faithful Indian companion, Toto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. Let's go, Rico. I am Silver. One evening, shortly before sundown, the Lone Ranger and Tonto dismounted in a small but timbered valley through which gurgled a brook of cold spring water. Even as they unsaddled their horses and prepared to make camp for the night, they saw the silvery flash of mountain trout breaking the dark surface of the rapid little stream to strike at dinner on the wing. A short time later, as dusk settled softly about them, Tonto squatted beside the campfire, a large frying pan held over the glowing coals. Because of the crackling sound made by the frying trout, his keen ears failed to hear the approach of footsteps until the Lone Ranger said in a guarded voice, Someone's coming, Tonto. Ah, sure no surprise. Buenas noches, amigo mio. Hello there. Mind if I join you? Glad to have you. Come up to the fire. Oh, him young fellow. Yeah. I guess I'd have missed your camp if I hadn't smelled the frying fish. Must have been a quarter of a mile away. 
They sure smell good. You haven't eaten? No. No, I haven't eaten yet. Then you'll join Todd and me for supper. Well, maybe there isn't enough fish to go around. Oh, plenty fish. Yeah. Well, I'll stay, but I'm warning you, I'm very hungry. I really am. Good. There's nothing like a strong appetite for a young fellow like you. Oh, where's your horse and gear? My horse and gear? Yes. Oh, I, I haven't any with me. I see. Well, make yourself comfortable. Supper will be ready shortly. Uh, thanks. Say, those are good-looking horses you have. That oh. big white one is a beauty. He's a fine horse. In fact, both of them are. And look at that big saddle. I, mister, that's the finest saddle I ever saw. Well, when one lives in a saddle, the best is none too good. Any cattleman will tell you that. <laughs> or any outlaw. Yes, I suppose so. Golly, if I could have a horse and saddle like that, I'd sure like to join up with you two fellas. Join up with us? Yeah. After the kicking around I've had in the last few weeks, being an outlaw like you looks mighty good to me. Seeking to know more about the youth who had so unexpectedly appeared in camp, the Lone Ranger neither denied nor confirmed the boy's opinion. And as they sat beside the campfire, leisurely eating the meal that Tonto had prepared, the masked man learned enough about the boy so that he decided for the time being to keep up the deception. So I'm... I'm tired of being called a tenderfoot. Oh? I can't get a job on a ranch, I can't get a job in the mines, I can't get a job anywhere. See. They take one look at me, laugh, and say, can't use it, Tenderfoot. Is your money gone? I've got less than a dollar. It's the first meal I've had in two days. Oh. Now when I... When I see how easy life is with you and the Indian, I'm ready to turn outlaw. It's up to you, mister. Just say the word. Well, Tom and I generally ride alone. I guess that is the safest, all right. Mm-hmm. But if you'd show me the ropes, I'd never let you down. You can trust me, mister. I believe that. What's your name? I, uh... I didn't ask you yours. Just call me Joe, that's enough. All right, Joe, if you want it that way. Then you let me join up with you? Not immediately. You have no horse and saddle. You don't even have a gun. Until you do, you'd be of no use to Tonto and me. Yeah, I... I guess so. You asked me to show you the ropes, didn't you? Yes, I did. You must obey my commands. Understand? Sure, mister. I'll do anything you say. All right. Here's a look. Where are you going? Alan and I have a job to do. It may take several days. Until we complete it, I want you to stay with a friend of mine who owns a ranch not far from here, City Big Oh, a sort of outlaw hideout, huh? You can call it that, Easy Silver. At any rate, while you're there, avail yourself of the opportunity to learn to ride well and shoot straight. Oh, golly, I sure will. More important, uh, don't talk too much. You mean about you and the Indian? Yes. Or uh, about yourself. Will I go with you now? No, you'll stay here with Tonto. I'll make the arrangements tonight. And if everything is satisfactory, Tonto will take you there tomorrow. Steady, steady. Big fellow. Now, you'd better turn in and get some sleep, Joe. I may be gone quite a while. Well, me give him a warm blanket. Good. Golly, this is the life for me. Come on, Silver. Well, 
Smash, smash, old oh, smash man. How are you, Colonel Henry? <laughs> Riding high as usual. Come right in, my friend. Thanks. Well, it's been quite a while since I saw you. Yes, right after you retired from the army. Well, how's ranching, Colonel? Good. It's a lot of fun and it pays well. You can't beat that. <laughs> sit down, sit down. <laughs> Thanks, Colonel. I uh, don't want to be inhospitable. But uh, when you show up, you've got a reason. Uh, so what's on your mind now? I believe you're a friend of the Chicago businessman, James Connors, aren't you? You bet I am. But poor old Jim, I feel mighty sorry for him right now. Because of the boy? Uh, you knew he disappeared? I read about it in the Eastern newspapers. Yes, it's been a blow to Jim. You know, he didn't marry until he was almost 40. Oh? Too busy making money, I reckon. He never knew what real living was until that boy was born. But from that day on, Jim lived for that kid. I see. There wasn't anything money could buy that the boy didn't get. Then why did the son leave home? His stubbornness. Oh, on whose part? Both of them. I see. I had a letter from Jim not long ago. Told me all about it. Jim wanted the boy to go to West Point like he'd done. The boy wanted to get out on his own, make his own way. They had a fight over it, I guess, and the next thing Jim knew, the boy had disappeared. Jim's advertised all over the country, pleading for him to get in touch with him. Yes, I saw several of the advertisements a few weeks ago. Why are you interested in young Jim Connor? Is he in trouble? No, not yet, fortunately. He's at my camp, though he told me his name was Joe. You found the boy. Oh, this is going to be grand news to poor Jim. Colonel, the boy has had some bad knocks since he left home. He's embittered and has lost faith in everyone. We've got to handle his case with care. How do you mean? <laughs> he thinks I'm a bandit and he wants to join up with me. You a bandit? Well, he's proud, very proud. Also stubborn. Just like his father. He knows he's failed. If I asked him to return to his father, he wouldn't do it. I can believe that, all right. First, I want you to telegraph his father to come west immediately. He should arrive in, well, less than a week. All right. I'll wire him tonight. What else? The boy thinks this ranch is a bandit hideout. <laughs> I told him I was bringing him here. Well, this is getting to be funny. My ranch, not law hideout. For the time being, I don't want him to know differently. So tell your foreman to keep him busy. Won't be any trouble about that. I could use a half a dozen men right now. Even tenderfeet. Good. Of course, he mustn't learn who you are, Colonel, or he'd guess our plans immediately. Of course he would. I'll see that he doesn't find out I'm a friend of his father. Uh, tell him to report to the foreman. I'll let Buck do the talking. Good. Tano will bring him here early tomorrow. Now I'll be getting back to our camp. When will I see you again? Oh, in a few days. Tonto and I are after two criminals who broke out of the penitentiary and recently headed into this territory. Well, adios, my friend. Adios. Early the following morning, Tonto, with the youth who had drifted into the ranger's camp, went to the ranch where young Jim Connor reported to the foreman, using, of course, the name of Joe. Meanwhile, two rough-looking men attired in Kalman's boots and dungarees entered the general store in the village of La Junta 
and after making minor purchases of rations and tobacco, were about to depart when the proprietor said, You fellas are strangers around here. What about it? Oh, I figure I know most of the punchers riding with the outfits in these parts. Don't recollect having seen you two before. We just rode off in border country. We're looking for a good outfit to tie in with. I can't say as this is much country for drifters. Folks here about are kind of steady. It's even the cowpokes. Come on, Tex, let's get moving. Oh, just a minute. Don't we figure on settling down if we find the right outfit? Yeah, sure. Well, that's what I wanted to find out. I wasn't just prying into your business. How do you mean, Pop? About 15 miles west of here, Colonel Henry's got a spread. The Bar W. Yesterday he was in here, and he told me he could use a couple of hands, so long as they wasn't drifters. Mm-hmm. Colonel's outfit is one of the best. Feeds good, pays better in most places. But you got to be steady, though. No drinking, no fighting. Colonel won't stand for it. Sounds like the kind of place we're looking for, Pop. You say it's west up here? Yeah, about 15 miles. You take the trail through the foothills about a mile from here. Thanks, we'll ride by. Just tell the foreman I sent you. We'll do that. Thanks a lot for the information. Come on, Turk. Drop in again if you make connection. Sure, we will. Tex, you palaver more about nothing than anybody I ever rode with. What's the idea of wasting time with that old coot? I wasn't wasting time. You heard him say folks around here don't like drifters, didn't you? I just didn't want him getting suspicious of us. An old varmint like him would have the law on us if we didn't talk right. Yeah, maybe you're right. If we'd just been riding through, I wouldn't have wasted my breath on him. But we may have to hang around here for a week or more before we hear from Adams. And if we don't go out to that ranch, he's going to see us hanging around town waiting for the letter from Adams. He'll be plenty suspicious then. We're not hanging around town just for that reason. Well, then what in thunder are we going to do? Ride out there and take the jobs. One of us can manage to get to town every day or so till we hear from Adams. Hey, look yonder. Where? See that engine riding up in front of the store? Oh, what about him? I'd swear I'd seen him before. Ah, you local Tex. We never been within 500 miles of here. All engines look alike. Yeah, but I've seen that one before. And he gives me the creeps. How do you mean? It was five years ago when I saw him. The day we was arrested for the coach robbery just south of the Pawnee Creek. Tex, you got jumpy nerves. You've had them ever since we busted out of the pen a couple of months ago. You never set eyes on that engine before, and neither did I. But I have. And I know when it was. I'm not superstitious, Turk. But I don't like the idea of him showing up just now. Ah, come on. Let's get out to that ranch and see the foreman. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
to continue our story. When young Jim Connor, runaway son of a wealthy Chicagoan, wandered into the Lone Ranger's camp, he thought the masked man an outlaw and asked to join up with him and Tonto. Seeking time to contact the boy's father, the Lone Ranger sent young Jim to the Bar W, owned by Colonel Henry, a friend of both the Ranger and the boy's father. However, young Jim, who had assumed the name of Joe, thought the ranch was a hideout for outlaws, and his opinion was soon to be confirmed in his own mind with the arrival of two men who applied to the foreman for work as cowhands. Who sent you here looking for work? The storekeeper in town. He said you wanted a couple of steady hands. That's right. We don't want any drifters on the Bar W. The colonel won't stand for them. Oh, we're the steady kind, all right. We sure are, and we can handle any job you've got from bouncing a buckboard to breaking stock. All right, I'll hire you. But remember, we don't allow any drinking, gambling, or fighting here. Understand? Oh, yes, yes, sir. However, there's something I better mention now before you let the cat out of the bag. What's that? See that kid learning to wrangle a remuda over there in the corral? Yeah. He's a tenderfoot. And for some reason or other, I don't know what it is, he thinks this is an outlaw outfit. Outlaw? He thinks every one of us are back trailers and that he's joined up with us. <laughs> for the time being, the colonel doesn't want him told any different. No. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> uh, don't wise him up. In fact, you might string him along with some tall tales. Sure, me and Turk will tell him how we held up stages, how we robbed banks. and. <laughs> Maybe how we busted out of a lot of jails, huh? <laughs> well, suit yourself. Now, feed your horses and get ready for chow. After you've eaten, I'll tell you what works to be done. It was almost a week later when the foreman of the Bar W hurried into the rambling ranch house to find Colonel Henry. Colonel, something's happened I think you ought to know about. What is it? The boys disappeared. <laughs> disappeared? Saddled a horse when nobody was looking and rode off the spread sometime within the past oh, hour. Doggone it, Buck. I told you to keep an eye on him. His father's coming in tonight. He's not here. His father? Yes, his father. I didn't want any of you fellas to know who he was until Jim Connor arrived. Uh, I was afraid you'd let the cat out of the bag one way or the other. I don't get it, Colonel. The boy's a runaway. If he knew what we'd been up to the last few days, he'd have cleared out, and maybe his father would never find him. Are you sure he didn't find out about the crew pretending to be gunslingers in this rancher hideout? No, Colonel. He never found out we were ribbing him. The fact is, right now, I'm thinking maybe he took it a lot more serious than we planned. How do you mean, Buck? Well, you recollect I had you put a couple of new cowpokes on the payroll a few days ago. Yes, what about them? They disappeared off the ranch about the same time as the kid. Take a look at this. Uh, I found it under the bunk of the fellow named Tex. Let, it, let me see it. Now, until you mentioned that fellow Connor, I didn't get what it was all about. It says, dear Tex, good haul on Friday night stage. Chicago millionaire named, named Connor aboard. He's carrying plenty... Good luck. We'll meet you and Turk at Big Mamie's in Denver. Signed, Adams. Buck, do you realize what this means? I do now, Colonel. It means those two drifters are outlaws. Real ones. And they're going to hold up the stage tonight. And it's my bet the kid's going with him. Oh, this is awful, Buck. He's going to hold up his own father. Maybe they didn't tell him who's on the stage. Perhaps not. What's the difference? Buck, get every man on the spread at once. We'll go after them. But, Colonel, there's not a man I can get here within an hour. Never mind. Come on, Buck. We'll saddle up and go after those rascals ourselves. I hope we'll be able to trail them. We've got to, Buck. If that boy gets into trouble through my fault, his dad'll kill me. And I won't blame him if he does. (laughs) 
Even as Colonel Henry and Buck, the foreman, raced to the stables to saddle their mounts, the Lone Ranger watched a young horseman ride rapidly into his camp and dismount. Ho, 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 ho. Hello, Joe. Hello. <laughs> you promised me you'd stay at the Bar W. What brings you here? I had to see you. I hope you'll understand. What's the trouble? Well, I... I hardly know how to explain. Come on, speak up. What's on your mind? Well, remember the other night when I walked in here and you and the Indian fed me? Yes, of course. I was pretty sick of things in general. I meant it when I told you I wanted to join up with you. I'm sure you did. And you remember I said that if you'd let me, I'd never let you down? That you could trust me always? Yes. I meant that, too. That's why I'm here now. How do you mean, Joe? I could have walked off the bar W and disappeared. You'd never know where I went, but I... I couldn't do that. I had to come and tell you. Tell me what? I don't want to be an outlaw. Oh. What changed your mind? Staying out at the bar W, I guess. Mixing in with all those outlaws. See. For the past few days, all I've heard is how they've been on the dodge from the law. How many years they've spent in prison. How much lead they're carrying inside them from gunfights with lawmen. Didn't you think of that before you asked to join up with me? Uh, maybe I did think about it a little, but... When I saw you, you looked different. You don't look like you ever spent a day in jail. You don't talk about prisons you've been in or gunfights with sheriffs and marshals. <laughs> well, you just seem to be the kind of a fellow I'd like to ride with. Even if you are an outlaw. I see. You're not like those fellas out at the bar, W. All they do is brag about their crimes. And yet they all admit they'll go down before a lawman's gun someday. Mm -hmm. I was tempted to go through with it today, but I couldn't. I just couldn't. You say you were tempted? Yeah. I, I heard a couple of the men planning to hold up the stage tonight. I was on the verge of asking to get in on it just for the experience, but... I... I backed down. Were you afraid of getting shot or caught, Joe? No, it wasn't that. It just came to me that I'd rather starve than take what doesn't belong to me. So that's your real reason? Yes, that's it. I knew then I'd have to come and tell you the truth. I didn't want to let you down, and I... I hope you'll understand. I do understand. Well, then... And you're not so it? No, no. On the contrary, I'm proud of you. But uh, now I'm going to tell you something, and I hope you'll understand, Jim. Jim? You mean Joe? No, I mean Jim. Jim Connor of Chicago. Briefly, but with deep sincerity, the Lone Ranger explained to the boy how he had recognized him when he came into camp a few nights previously. How he had sent him to the bar W until his father could be brought out from the east. And why he had agreed to let the ranch hands pretend to be outlaws. They may have overdone it a bit, but you can take my word for it. There's not a man on Colonel Henry's spread who ever killed a man or served a day in jail. And those two men I heard planning to rob the stage, they're not outlaws? No, they're just cow hands. They must have known you were listening to them all the time. I'm all mixed up. Those fellas talked and acted like outlaws, but aren't. You talk and act like a gentleman, but you're an outlaw. I don't understand it. I'm not an outlaw, Jim. You're not? You assume that. For reasons you should now understand, I didn't tell you differently. Then who are you? 
If you're not an outlaw, why do you wear a mask? Well, at the moment, it's not important. Well, look, here comes Toto. Yeah, and he's pushing his horse mighty fast. Something must have happened. Oh, Scout, oh, fella. Oh, fella. Oh, give us happy. What's happened, Toto? Me see two men named Tex and Turk. Tex and Turk? Where did you see them? Them ride through town. Me follow them, out west trail. Where'd they go? Eagle Rock. When them get there, them hide horses and scrub timber. Them there now. The stagecoach comes by Eagle Rock. They're planning to hold it up. Tex and Turk? Are you sure those are their names? Yes, Jim. They're a couple of outlaws. Otto and I have been on their trail since they escaped from prison. Well, they're the two men I was telling you about. I heard them planning the robbery. You must be mistaken. Colonel Henry's men are not outlaws. Those two men were hired the day I went to the ranch. Are you sure of that? Yes, the foreman introduced them at mealtime. And it's my father they're going to rob. There's no doubt of that. We've got to stop them. Stage come to Eagle Rock soon, Kimasabi. Here, Silver. You want to go with us, Jim? You couldn't stop. Any big fellow, then come on. Easy, boy. Have to travel fast. Come on, Silver. Yes, Here comes the stage. Colonel Henry, if you and Buck do as we tell you, Turk and me won't gun you down. Savvy, you don't do as we say. You'll both hang for this. <laughs> This'll teach you not to go butting in on what don't concern you, Colonel. Tex and me both saw your trail, Ness. We was waiting for you. Cut the palaver, Turk. Now, Colonel, you and Buck ride right out there on the trail and wave your hands. The driver will recognize you and he'll rein up. And don't forget for a minute that you'll be covered. So don't try any tricks. When the stage stops, me and Turk will ride in and take over. Now, here it comes, so get moving. We'd better do as they say, Buck. Yeah. Without guns, we can't put up a fight. Well, let's go. Get up there. Get up there. As the stage approached, Buck and the colonel, knowing that Tex and Turk would gum them down if they didn't follow instructions, rode their horses into the middle of the trail and waited. The colonel waved his Stetson above his head until he saw that the driver recognized him and was stopping. Inside the stagecoach, Mr. Connor stuck his head out the open window. Then turning to his two companions, he spoke. I can't understand this. There's my good friend Colonel Henry out there with two bandits. I don't understand it either, Dad. The foreman's with him, too. Quiet. Here comes Texan Turk. Cover that door of the coast, Jim. I will. You can depend on me. Take the other door, Turk. I'll take this side. All right. I'm ready. Open her up. Now, gents, keep your hands up and nobody will get hurt. Drop that gun. Drop it, Turk. Hey, what the... Hey. Get him, Tex! Told you to drop that gun. All right, Turk. That'll fix you. I got Turk. Good for you, son. You knocked him out. Colonel, for a few seconds there, I uh, thought you'd turn bandit. <laughs> Young Jim's been thinking that for the past few days, eh, Jim? I sure did, Colonel. <laughs> But tell me, uh, how did you and the mass man happen to be riding on the stage? Well, he knew that we'd be seen if we rode in on Texan Turk. So we stopped the stage a few miles back and boarded it. Tonto followed with the horses. Hey, Turk, look. What? Yonder's that engine. Well, I'll be doggone. It's him, all right, and he's leading two horses. When I seen him a few days ago, I had a creepy feeling we were in for trouble. Oh, What so are they talking about, Colonel? I don't know. Jim, you can get your horse now. And Buck, take the prisoner to the sheriff. They'll be in jail in an hour, masked man. Hey, Dad, can you imagine it? <laughs> I thought the masked man was a bandit, too. Who is that man, son? I don't know who he is, Dad. But he's been a mighty good friend to me. And he's the best friend a young fella could ever have. 
Jim, he's the Lone Ranger. This is a copyrighted feature originated by George W. Trendle and directed by Charles D. Livingston. The part of the Lone Ranger is played by Brace Beamer. <laughs>